Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Kylie Merritt, the founder of AusBiz. Our goal at AusBiz is to provide you with news and information you can use to make better investment decisions, whether it's live, on demand, in the newsletter, or a podcast like the COB. We make it available at no cost to you. The bigger our audience, the more we can invest in great content. So I have a favour to ask. If you could take a minute to leave a review of the COB in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help us grow. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. From Barangaroo Studios, the Osbiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It is May the 12th. It's the day after the federal budget. I'm David Scott. This is the COB and Osbiz, and I'm joined by my partner on air, Annette Beecher. <laughs> Annette, how's your day? Oh, man, she was a jam-packed session today. Uh, we have to quickly reiterate that sitting on the couch last night, just watching those dollars being printed at a rapid rate. So, yeah, my initial takeaway from the budget was that they were spending it as quickly as it was rolling in. Yeah, I was a bit surprised. Uh, I know the, uh, there's no real rush for the, that budget repair and the budget reform uh, to go and reduce those deficits. The whole way out, the out years in the other budget, no real desire to go in and get to, you know, back to a surplus, which is a very big departure of what we've seen only uh, up until last year, which uh, you know, made me wonder, like, no, what's going on? Of course, then you think, well, there's an election coming up within the next 12 months. But another thing that really struck both of us as well, having conversations during the course of the day, was just how conservative the economic parameters were in the in the forecast from treasury what did you make of that yeah i was quite surprised there just the channel that i was watching put the forecast on the screen and i literally did a double take and quickly called up the recent statement of monetary policy from the rba and uh even the rba is more bullish than treasury easily uh half a point uh the treasury sorry is half a point weaker than the rba right across the board very conservative unemployment rate forecast, no inflation and wages, which really doesn't make sense when you've got an economy with monetary and fiscal policy absolutely flat out. Yeah, it's, uh, you can already say that's leading to sort of instances where there's uh, real bottlenecks forming and uh, inflationary pressures are, are clearly evident in some uh, parts of the economy for the time being. So how it plays out is going to be really interesting because, of course, the RBA is holding the line for the moment saying this is all temporary, it's all going to be fine in the, uh, the longer term, uh, but it's all fine until it isn't, of course. <laughs> uh, we had a good chat today with uh, Jennifer Westercott, Chief Executive of the Business Council of Australia. Uh, she said that, uh, that we need a bigger vision in Australia, and that was... Uh, I kind of agree because my view today was just about, whilst it was never likely to be in this budget, uh, just a lack of clear wide-ranging reforms that have been pushed through in Australia over the past couple of decades. We've been far too reliant just purely on uh, stoking demand through high immigration rather than actually putting in place uh, long-term measures that would go and benefit and pay dividends down the line. Uh, it's interesting to see that uh, no, there's still no appetite really from either side of the political divide to go down that path. 
No, that's the one thing that I certainly noticed from my pointy head days. The uh, long run growth assumption used to be three and a half, three and a quarter percent, and now it's two and a half. So it's almost like we've given up on how to grow. And uh, it's just down to population growth. And of course, one of the big uh, clangers from this budget is they are literally telling us we are a closed economy for the next 12 months. Yeah. And look, that's unacceptable too. You know, given the speed of the rollout of the vaccine in other parts, you know, this is the, the issue. I, I remember writing about this like, you know, six months ago, plus probably now, and talking about the difficulty that we're going to have here as a nation of opening up the international border because people are petrified mm. of the coronavirus. Now, Part of the answer was supposed to be to go and get vaccinated really quickly to go and give us some immunity from uh, the virus when it inevitably would come in. But even then, I think, you know, we've got people who are coming through hotel quarantine right now who have been fully vaccinated overseas and they're still not allowed to come into the, uh, the country. At some point, we're going to have to go and bite the bullet and be part of the rest of the world. We're not going to be a hermit economy. Let's well, at least hope not. Otherwise, I might be going moving overseas. But uh, look, one of the measures in the interim to go and try and, uh, and boost this economy is through the infrastructure uh, place. But we we had a good chat with Sarah Shaw today, and she's the uh, Global Portfolio Manager and Chief Investment Officer at 4D Infrastructure about what the infrastructure splurge means when it comes to the investment environment for her and for, uh, for others out there. And uh, we got quite a surprising answer. We sure the did. Be- the, better an- the better prospects are not in Australia at all. They're abroad. They're aboard, because after a long discussion about how, you know, we have airports, road, rail, um, a sprinkling of hydrogen, you know, all the standard meaty infrastructure projects, we we're waiting for the investment opportunities to capitalise on such a policy. And, uh, and we actually asked about her investment strategy and she said she's actually not invested at all in Australia. There are better opportunities elsewhere. And she was actually looking more towards Europe and even thought a Mexican airport gave more value than uh, than the Aussie one. Hola, there we go, get involved in Mexico. But uh, that's that's an example. She said when it comes to the, the big pipeline of infrastructure work which is being built and will be built here in the future, uh, it comes down more to asset recycling from the various state and federal governments where the opportunities arrive. But even then, is it the right price? Well, that's something that, you know, down the line you have to go and make that assessment based off what's going on with uh, with with cap rates and the like. Uh, look, we also had a really good chat today with Dean Fergie. We talked about IPO. You came up with a perla of a little introduction as well, talking <laughs> about the supernova fizzling. Of course, we're talking about those IPOs, particularly there was a lot of uh, no ones last year, probably uh, no tailored to e-commerce, no mining, all things that were running really hot at that mm. stage. And uh, you said that, uh, no, they fizzled in the way that the uh, kind of uh, no, no, petered it out did. the excitement. Well, that was the problem because uh, it's, it's almost like a social media headline, you know, meme stocks where, whereby, you know, things like Redbubble, Adore Beauty, you know, anything that ha- were really, really benefited from COVID was uh, just IPO'd at, at multiple millions and billions of dollars. And it's almost like someone woke up two days later and said, nah, next, oh, what, what else can I do? And it was just that idea that these things just blew up and then completely fizzled. So I think it's making some companies really think secondly, secondly about IPOs because the market is still too skittish. Yeah, Dean actually described uh, a lot of them as momentum plays. So it's interesting you mentioned that meme trade because, of course, they've been reliant upon lots of capital flows and momentum to go and uh, result in those jaw-dropping daily gyrations that we see. <laughs> uh, look, uh, of course, the markets were open today as well. And I think the government may be a little bit disappointed with the reaction to the budget. I know a lot of it was leaked, but uh, no, closing down uh, about uh, three quarters of a percent, both the XJO and the X2C. Uh, but realistically, a lot of that weakness crept in again from overseas and the we saw some pretty big declines in Europe, also some falls in the United States. 
that brings us to what we've got coming up in about, I don't know, four or five hours from now yeah. here. That's a US CPI release. We know that the markets are very twitchy about inflationary pressures. Uh, what are we looking out for? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one because uh, while we're all consumed with the budget, regional stock markets also had a horror show as we wait for that crucial CPI. The Fed keeps telling us to look through whatever inflation pressures we get. But if we see a core CPI running at 0.4, it doesn't take a big math genius to annualise that and tell you that, you know what, that's still a big number, even if you don't rely on those base effects, that we could end up with a pretty punchy number. And I think whatever twitchiness we have uh, when it comes to inflation could give us a bit of a wild night. Uh, don't worry about it. It's all transitory. Just ask the <laughs> Fed. Every Fed member saying it's transitory. So it's all okay. We'll be back in there. Look, uh, look. The, while the, the broader market went and finished lower push pay, uh, the buy now pay latest base in general had a decent day, and that's a rarity nowadays, so it's mm. been slammed. But push pay had an update that came out. Uh, it actually closed up around about almost 2% on the day, a real stark contrast to the broader market and, and other tech stocks. Uh, look, we went actually, uh, when put this to our experts on the call today, uh, we, we sat down with Andrew Page from Strawman.com and... Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial to get their views on PushPay, which is PPH, is a ticket code. Take a listen. The numbers today are very, very good. You know, growing margins. Yep. Um, they're growing revenues, growing profits, that sort of stuff. But they're going through a period of board renewal and shareholder renewal. So the major shareholders were the Hewlett family, a wealthy New Zealand yep. family who have come out and sold down a big chunk of their position. So they definitely matured a lot. They've emerged from a startup to an established player. Yeah. For a long time, they're winning a lot of market share in the US, but it does seem that one of the key metrics, which is a little bit concerning, is the number of new churches that they're signing on. Yeah. Grew at about 2%, which is quite low. Think today we get an, another update, the chairman's stepping away, they're gonna to have to find the replacements for right. him at the board level, a new chairman. So there's a bit of a mm, process okay. to go through there. So that's why it's a hold, not a buy. I've held it for years, really? uh, you know, since the 80 cent mark on a stock adjusted basis. It's been in one of the top ranked stocks on strawman.com for, right. for years. When you when you look at um, the per share earnings of this business, it's on a PE of about 41. Super right. strong balance sheet, dominant market position. Definitely, I, I agree with, with the risks that, that Michael highlighted, but I, I would probably... So you're argue, a buyer? Yeah, I'm always a long-term player, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking out the next five, ten years. Okay. Uh, I think it's a good opportunity. So that is not going into the portfolio push pay. Whilst Andrew Page is pretty bullish on it, he's, uh, he, he likes it, he would buy it. Uh, and he's a bit of a fan. He, he does flag the, the potential that uh, some of the other uh, concerns that are about user growth, but uh, not going to the portfolio. We need to have two buyers from both our guests to go and get that into the Ausbiz portfolio. Look, let's go and talk the day ahead now. Of course, we're we'll looking for that CPI release overnight, but we have a raft of different uh, you know, guests coming up in the program, and it's going to be another crack of a day. Jonathan Rushford, portfolio manager at Narrow Road Capital, will be joining us, as will Robert Spurway, who's the managing director of Grain Corp. Maybe we can go and ask about what's going on with that mice plague mm. that uh, is so <laughs> cannot go and escape the scenes across parts of New South Wales, Victoria, and Queensland. There, also on the big picture, so we'll have no doubt a lot of a look at what's going on when it comes to that inflation print. Phil O'Donoghue here from Deutsche Bank. Are you looking forward to that one? Oh, certainly will. And uh, Phil, of course, we can also grab his views on the budget. I'm sure he's had a few client calls. It'd be interesting to see how well that budget has been received or if it's just a sugar hit pre-election budget or if this budget was really needed. So we can't let Phil escape without talking about a budget update. 
We were talking about the Momo trade just earlier on the podcast. Well, I've got a special uh, event coming up for all crypto fans out there. We have a crypto edition of the call. So uh, Josh Gilbert from eToro and Carl Kappelingra from Think Marcus will go give their views on various cryptocurrencies. I can't wait to go and see Koshi that hold that one. That's, that's going to be one. I'm going to be glued to the screen there to see how <laughs> Koshi handles that one. Uh, we'll also have a chat with uh, Jason Pellegrino. He's the chief executive of Domain. And uh, Scott Brown, MD of Pure Hydrogen. Of course, Hydrogen getting a big boost in the budget. Sure did. And uh, we'll round off the day with Fraser McLeod from beautiful Adelaide. He's, of course, from Shore and Partners to go get his views about what's going on the market. Look, it has been a bumper day. It's been an incredibly busy week already. I reckon we do to go and put the feet up. What do you reckon? Oh, I think the feet up and do it all again tomorrow. Plenty of budget analysis to come. Sounds good. Rest up. We'll see you tomorrow. Good see, night. See ya. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.